Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. You ever have that moment where you see something and you're not quite sure you saw it right and so you, you stop and you do a double take and you look back and you go, wait, was that what I thought it was? And, and if you're like me, like a lot of the time you do the double take, you realize you were way off on your first impression. You have to go back and go, I, I don't think I saw that right. And I don't know what it is about us. We have these quick reactions to things and, and our reactions aren't always accurate. It depends on the information we're getting. And some information is a little bit confusing and you've got to do some work to figure it out. Like, for example, imagine you're at your computer and you get this notification. Kiss your password goodbye. I don't know about you, but it's not, I'm panicking now. I'm like, oh no, I've been hacked. I'm gonna have to pay some ransom for this. Like, what is this gonna mean? But then you read again, you go, oh, use your face to sign in with Windows Hello. I don't know about you, but that is a very misleading way to communicate. You've got a new password technique for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that's how I would word that. It's just a little bit confusing. I would have to do a double take. But sometimes you see something and it's real clear and you don't have to do a double take because you're, you're exactly sure what you saw the very first time you saw it. Like, like this sign. Danger. Not only will this kill you, it will hurt the whole time you're dying. Not a lot of ambiguity there, like very clear. I don't want to touch that sign. I, I, I looked at it once and I saw it. That was very clear. Not a lot of ambiguity. Well, hey, I want to welcome you to Abundant Life Church. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Jeremy, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, to those in the room with me, to those who are watching or listening online through a podcast or YouTube channel, we're so glad that you are here as well. Uh, we're continuing this series that we've been in going through the book of John. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got a journal, to go ahead and get that out. We are now in week three of our series. Uh, it's going to be a very long series many journals will be had uh, throughout this series. But if you've got a journal, you're bringing it back with you. That's awesome. Go to week three there. And then if you've got a Bible, uh, we're going to use it like we always do. Go to John chapter one. Yes, we're still in chapter one in week three. We are slowly working our way through the gospel of John. And we'll be in chapter one for a few more weeks. Uh, This is going to be great. Now, one of the things I was asked, uh, because if you notice, uh, you get to your journal and you'll see like at week three, there's a couple lines there for the title. And uh, and I don't normally tell tell you the title. And so you have to like go online and see what it is. And so someone said, hey, can you just tell us in advance uh, so that we can write it down as we take notes? And I thought, that makes sense. And so if you care about that, uh, the title today is Bigger Than You. I'll start giving these to you so you can write them right there and you can go back and reference it. Or if you see it online or you see it posted somewhere, you know which one you're talking about. Now today, we are gonna look at uh, the story of a guy named John the Baptist. And if you've grown up in church, uh, this is like a well-known church figure. If you haven't, uh, it's gonna be a little bit strange because John's an interesting person. But here's what I want you to, to think about. John is that person where if you hear him talk about Jesus, you only need to hear him one time. He's very clear. He, he's the danger sign. Like, this is exactly what I'm communicating. No ifs, ands, or buts. I want you to know this. Uh, John is not misleading at all. And one of the things I admire most about him, but it's also one of the challenges because many of us don't relate with John because John is so laser focused in how he's communicating this that we go, 
okay, that, that was for John, that's not really for me. Uh, but today I hope that you find yourself in this story and you, you can connect with him in maybe a, a, a unique way for the very first time. So if you got your Bibles open at John chapter one, uh, I'm gonna give you three different uh, passages in chapter one that we're gonna look at. So just keep your spot in chapter one as we jump around to different uh, other passages as I'll give us some perspective here. But we'll begin reading in in verse six. And what you're gonna see is there's a couple spots in chapter one that talk about John the Baptist. So we're gonna jump around in chapter one a little bit to to put them together for our, our purposes today. So here's what it says. John one, verse six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. This is what we talked about last week, the first five verses of Jesus as the light. Uh, it's con- continuing that thought, the, that light. So that through him, all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, our author here is emphasizing the function of John the Baptist, not his identity. By contrast, if you read other gospel accounts, such as Luke, Luke goes way into detail on who John is. And and so if you have grown up in church and you're thinking about a lot of things about John the Baptist, you probably learned those from the gospel of Luke. Our author, uh, the one who's writing John, isn't gonna give us a bunch of those kind of details. He's way more focused on the role of John the Baptist, that he is sent by God for a mission. He is a witness uh, for Jesus and he's sent by God to do this. Now, here's what's interesting, and this is going to help many of you out. Uh, I'm going to solve a confusion you may have had if you've ever tried to read through this gospel. Now, here's what you're going to notice. As we study the gospel of John, John the Baptist is never called John the Baptist. Okay, you with me? If you read in Matthew and in Luke, he's referred to as John the Baptist. But in John's gospel, he's only ever called John. And here's why this is so fascinating. Because if you're with us for week one of this series, I explained our author, John, who's a disciple, a different guy, never mentions himself by name. So here's what's remarkable. Every time you find the name John in the gospel of John, it's referring to John the Baptist, not the author John. Okay? A lot of people get confused as they read through. They're like, is this the author? Is this John the Baptist? Who are we talking about? And so again, just know, as you read the name John throughout this, this book, we're always referencing John the Baptist because our author does not mention himself by name. That might be helpful for a few of you. Now, why does verse eight say that John the Baptist is not the light? Like, it seems a little bit strange right when you meet him. He says, he came as a witness to light, but he himself was not the light. Like, geez, why are you really making that point clear? Uh, I think we know that. But the reality is John the Baptist is a really big deal. And if you read through the gospel accounts and you, you see the influence he had, he had a huge influence in the early church and in people understanding who Jesus was. In fact, we, we introduced uh, him in, in chapter one, but we're gonna see him in chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, and chapter 10. So John's gonna be around for a while. You're gonna find lots of different references to John the Baptist, but today is the first time we meet him in this introductory passage. Now, stay in in chapter one, but I wanna show you just for some perspective, if you go forward in time a little bit, you get to the book of Acts, which is after the four gospel narratives. Acts tells the story of the early church. 
So you have Jesus and, and he does his earthly ministry and then uh, his death, his burial, his resurrection, he ascends into heaven and then everyone's like, what now? We gotta figure this out, we gotta be the church. And that's the book of Acts. Now, if you read the book of Acts, you have another reference to John the Baptist and it's an, it's an interesting reference to figure out the legacy and how profound this guy's influence was. So you say in John chapter one, but let me show you Acts chapter 19. It said, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Seems like a kind of weird question. They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, this is a strange conversation. This is Paul talking to disciples of Jesus, right? These are people, these are the early Christians. And he goes and he says, hey, do you have the Holy Spirit? And they're like, what are you talking about? What's the Holy Spirit? That sounds cool. Like, we, we've never heard about this. And you're going, how do they not know about the Holy Spirit? What, what is going on here? Well, notice the, the very next line. So Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. So John is setting up Jesus, but he's so successful, he's so well known for it, that there were early Christians that only had John's account, didn't fully understand that Jesus had come, there's the Holy Spirit and all this other stuff, because John's influence was that great. Now again, uh, Paul understands clearly the role of John. He's like, whoa, 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 he's just setting up Jesus for you. But it just shows us how well known John's ministry was. And I want you to keep that in mind for what we're about to read next. Go back to chapter one and, and jump down to verse 19. I want to show you, uh, again, an interesting conversation that they have with John the Baptist uh, in the opening uh, chapter of the, the Gospel of John. Verse 19 says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He's so successful, so well-known that there's this commotion, like, who is this guy? Go do some research. So they sent these guys, like, figure out what is this guy all about? And, you know, is he a threat or, or what's going on? So they had this conversation. Verse 20, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Now, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. This is an interesting exchange here, but I want you to put yourself in John's shoes just for a moment. You're, you're, you're setting everybody up for Jesus. You have this really interesting ministry. You're baptizing people for repentance, okay? So this is kind of an early, uh, an early setup for Jesus. And then you're so well-known, it's going so good that people come to you and they say, are you the Messiah? How would that feel? I, I imagine John's like, whoa, you, you think I'm the Messiah? Like that had to be like, what? Well, okay, and, and then they go, well, no, I'm not the Messiah. Well, are you Elijah? Now, again, Elijah's an Old Testament prophet, very well known. They're thinking maybe Elijah came back, and, well, you, you think I'm Elijah? Like, well, okay, he's like, no, I'm not Elijah. I'm, well, who are you? Are you the prophet? Like, are, are you this, this great prophet that is yet to come? And he's like, no, I'm not any of those things. 
But what would it have felt like for someone to mistake you for all of these things? Like, hey, you, your ministry is so good that we're, we think you are it. Like, you're the one we've all been waiting for. And as tempting as that might have been for John, he doesn't waver in his answer. He doesn't even spend a moment going, you know what, I am kind of a big deal. He just moves it right along and he goes, no, let me tell you who I am. And he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. He goes back to the Old Testament to give perspective of what God has been revealing, that God, what God has been building up to, and that John is now playing his role in the bigger narrative of what God is all about. Now, in case you're not familiar with Isaiah, uh, let me show you the, the longer passage of what he's quoting from, because it's a beautiful way to understand John's answer and who John thinks he is in light of Jesus. So if you go back to Isaiah 40, it's in the Old Testament, it says this, a voice of one calling, in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. Catch this. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Now we know this, that's Jesus. But this is why John is going back saying, this is how I'm setting it up. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. What are we gonna see? We're gonna see Jesus for the first time. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So John has such a good grasp of what God is doing and the role he plays in it. And so even when they're like, hey, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm just setting up the glory of the Lord that is about to come. I'm getting you ready for what God is doing. That is a really good answer to their question. Uh, John understands this. Now, at this point, I want us just to, to insert ourselves into the story a little bit because it's easy to read John and go, how great for him. He understood that. Uh, that has no application for me today. And I want you to, to read this a little bit differently. I want you to connect with John and not just read him as some faraway uh, character, some faraway person. So here's an important lesson that I think we learned from John. I'd encourage you to write this down. Point your life to something bigger than yourself. Simple, but incredibly profound in its implications that we learn from, from John. Point your life to something bigger than yourself. In the era of social media, uh, where we all have a voice and we all can have a platform and everybody can, can gain attention, is there ever something more needed than us to stop and acknowledge, you know what, maybe we need to point to something bigger than us. And yet you have all kinds of tools at your disposal now, tools you never had before, that if you want the world to be pointed at you, you can do it. You can point everybody at you, you can do it often, you can be self-absorbed completely. And yet what John shows us is a different way of living, to go, no, 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 this is the role I play, this is what I'm about because I am focused in on Jesus. I'm focusing in on something bigger than myself. Now, I'm convinced that uh, because we collectively are not good at this and we struggle with this, uh, we struggle with identity because we, we think it's about us. We think I've got to point to me. And, and most of us, if we're honest, and especially as a culture, we are pointing directly at ourselves. There's nothing greater that we're pointing to. It's, it's us. And I'm convinced this is why a lot of people feel hopeless. Because if your life is pointing only to you, you're going to have a certain despair in there. Uh, there's going to be a sense of hopelessness of it's all about me and what I can do. I'm convinced this is why a lot of people are bored with life because life is just about them. It's just pointing in at them. And, and if that's all your life is pointing to, you're gonna get a bit bored. 
because uh, it's nothing more than you. And you know all there is about you and you're gonna get bored with that eventually. I'm convinced that's why many people are overwhelmed with life. Man, this is, this is just too much. Why? Because all we see is ourselves and we are pointing back on ourselves and it's so easy to feel overwhelmed in the situation of that. And yet, and yet, this is what the culture tells us. You need more of this. You need more fame. You need more influence. You need more attention. If just more people understood what you've got going, man, you need more success. And we think, yes, this will be what it's about. But the more you point your life at yourself, the more you're going to suffer the effects of it. There's a famous quote from the actor Jim Carrey. He says this, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Would that be an interesting little study? If all of us could truly experience that, if you could get everything you ever wanted, if you could have all of it, if you could have all the fame, all the success, all the money, all the possessions, and you go, yes, I've arrived, and then we all have that sense of, now what? That didn't work. That didn't give it to me. And yet we so badly think, if I could just get a little bit more, point more at me, more at me, more at me. And those who have had it, right? I mean, he's, he's an A-list celebrity. Those who've experienced what the world can give them are going, that's not the answer. That didn't deliver what I thought it would. And there are studies that they have done that, that show this as well. That they compare people who would say that their life is pointing to something, that there's a purpose to their life, Versus people who say, I have no purpose, I have nothing else, it's just pointing at me. And again, you can read these studies, I was uh, fascinated by this this week. People who have a purpose in life sleep better at night. Interesting, you go, oh, I didn't realize it would affect my sleep. Studies have shown that they have a longer life, sometimes as many as seven years longer, if your life is lived with a purpose greater than you. People with a purpose are four times more likely to be engaged at work, they are 50 times or 50% more likely to be a leader and they are 64% higher uh, level of career satisfaction. Again, you can Google this. You can find all kinds of stats of, of what a purpose beyond yourself does for you. It has all of these weird benefits physically. And you're going, why would all that be true? Well, one of the articles I read, uh, the author summed it up like this. She said, why am I having a life purpose lead to all these health benefits? Well, for one, it takes the focus off ourselves, which seems to be health-giving in more ways than one. What an interesting insight. Hey, if you could just get the focus off yourself, you will have all kinds of health-giving benefits. Like literally, you'll sleep more. You'll live longer. You'll have more satisfaction in what you do. What's the secret? Get off of yourself. Like point to something beyond you and John models this so well for us. How do you point your life to something greater? Now, we could stop here and we'd go, oh, what a great example John is. And I'm sure everybody loved John. I'm sure that they just loved these answers. He's so humble. John points to Jesus, doesn't point to himself. I'm sure the, the, the religious leaders of his day thought, what a great upstanding citizen. Uh, let's be more like John. But I want you to watch what happens next. Go back to chapter one. I want you to, to see verse 24. So John has just replied to them, who are you? Are you the, the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? No, 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 I'm not any of those. I'm just one calling, getting ready for the glory of the Lord that's revealed, okay? Great answer, but they don't think so. Here's what we find in verse 24. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then 
do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Isn't this great? Hey, translation, you got no business doing what you're doing if you're not those things. And so all of a sudden, this very humble response does not get a great reaction to it. They're going, then who are you? You're a fraud. You don't deserve to do this. You, you have no right. Now, imagine again that you're John. You just gave this great reply. You're focusing on Jesus. And now they're looking at you going, you're an imposter. You have no right to do this. You, you are out of line. I mean, John is dealing with some major identity here. I mean, it's like, who am I? How do I know who I am? How do I live this out? How do I operate? And again, it's not getting received well. Now, here's where you might expect John to go, okay, okay, hold on. I'm kind of a big deal. And Jesus thinks I'm a big deal. And I have every right to do what I wanna do. And this is where we might get a little bit defensive, but watch what John says. Verse 26, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Now this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. John's like, look, guys, I'm not gonna bite on this at all. I know you want me to defend myself. I know you think that I'm, I'm an imposter. I don't have the right to do this, but here's the reality. There's another one coming. I'm just getting it ready for him. I'm just warming up the waters for him. And, and I'm not even worthy to take off his dirty sandals. That, that's how great he is. And then I love the line, a little bit of shade he throws in. There's one among you whom you do not know. Like, I know him, I've seen him, you've got no clue. You have no idea what's coming. And the implication there is, all that I'm setting up, you're missing. You're not seeing it, you're not connecting it. And indeed, that will be true as we keep reading through John. And we'll realize a lot of people did not understand what Jesus was all about. But what an incredible response. John understands his identity. He understands who he is, what he's about, his role as pointing people to Jesus. And we would do well to think on him today. Now, as I've processed this week and I've been working on this message, uh, a couple insights stood out to me about John that I thought, you know what? Uh, Lest we just go, wow, how cool for John. Uh, Here's some things that I think we can take away in real time once you've understood the person of John. So here's a couple takeaways to write down. Number one, John the Baptist is a great way to think of the Bible, okay? Great way to think of the Bible. When you understand the role of John the Baptist, it helps you understand how to read the Bible. Now that might sound a little bit strange, but think about this. The mission of John the Baptist was to point people to Jesus, right? It's not hard, not to, not to point people to himself, to point people to Jesus. The mission of the Bible, the purpose of the Bible is to point people to Jesus. And yet a lot of us, Christians especially, we don't read the Bible like it's John the Baptist. We read the Bible in totally different ways, and we've got to figure out, well, how do I read it differently? And, and if you're a little confused on what, what do you mean by that, of course we read the Bible like that. Let me show you something bizarre about the Bible, and I, I came across this quote this week, and I thought, that illustrates it. It's from Brian Zan. He says, the Bible is a 1,200-page book that doesn't introduce the main protagonist until page 939. It's a little bit strange. It's all about Jesus, but you don't read the name Jesus until about page 939. 
Now, we talked about last week, uh, John is very clear that Jesus was in the beginning. So in a sense, this quote's not true, that uh, you, you find Jesus from the opening pages, but you don't know who it is. You don't know it's Jesus until you get to page 939 and you work backward and you go read back. Okay, now that I've seen who Jesus is as he's fully revealed, now I can go back and understand, oh, that's what this whole thing is pointing to. But here's what happens, okay? Don't miss this. A lot of Christians even, we read the first 938 pages of the Bible and we're convinced, I know what the Bible's all about. Then you get to page 939, you're like, well, that's a twist, but I already know what the Bible's about, so I'm just gonna add that to what I already know. Rather than realizing, by the time you get to page 939, again, depending on your Bible, page is a little off, uh, but the time you get there and you, you discover who Jesus is, it changes everything that came before it. You see, John the Baptist would never say, don't follow Jesus, stop on me, and just, just dwell on me, point at me. It's the opposite of what he did. And the Bible never directs us, the authors of the scriptures never direct us, hey, focus on the words that I'm saying to you, focus on the text, don't, don't get stuck on God. No, they're all pointing us to something greater. And when you understand the role of John the Baptist, it gives you a great analogy to understand how do we read the Bible? How do we understand the Bible is pointing us to the person of Jesus, just like John the Baptist points us to the person of Jesus, okay? Application number one. Second application I thought of as I was thinking about this this week is that John the Baptist is a great way to think of our role. Now, here's where you go, no, 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 no. That, like John the Baptist, and especially if you read in Luke, he's a really remarkable guy. He's, he's set apart. I mean, he's got a, a truly unique vocation, and that's certainly true. But you can read this and go, how great for him. I, I have no part of this today, and I think you're missing an incredible insight uh, from what we, we find with John the Baptist. See, it's a great way for us to think about our role. John the Baptist's role was to point people to Jesus. What is our role today? To point people to Jesus. Like, it's not more complicated than that, but many of us were like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what it's all about. I don't know what I should be doing. I, it's not more complicated. Like, like you just point people to Jesus. Now, let's, let's get a little bit uncomfortable here for a moment. I wanna to speak to the Christians today in the room uh, and those Christians who are watching and listening online. If you're not a Christian and you're, you're exploring this whole thing, uh, you are absolutely welcome here. I've got something for you in just a moment, but right now you're off the hook and you're gonna be glad, okay? So you just hold on for a moment. But those of you, if you're a Christian, you're watching, listening online, you're a Christian, I want you to lean in on something because... I love you enough to tell you something that we all need to just pause for a moment and reflect on as we begin to apply this to our life and it, it might hurt a little bit, okay? So some of you, you're gonna need to write this down because it's, you're gonna have like an emotional reaction. You write it down and read it later, okay? Ready? Here we go. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you are pointing people to Jesus. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that you are pointing people to Jesus. Now, depending on where you're at, you might react negatively to that, or maybe you're like, well, yeah, of course that's true. But I think we have to acknowledge there are plenty of people who call themselves Christians that look nothing like Jesus. I, I, I've seen plenty of them who, who, who ha apparently have the right beliefs uh, their theology seems to make sense as they explain it with their words, but then you watch their life and you go, I don't see Jesus in that. 
You don't look like Jesus. You don't sound like Jesus. You don't make me feel like you uh, understand who Jesus is, right? We have a problem here today. And so what we often think is, well, if I'm calling myself a Christian, I've arrived. I'm there. We're good. But if you don't point people to Jesus on a regular basis, your Christianity really doesn't matter much in, in the real world. Like if people can't see Jesus and the way that you follow him, something is broken. And I think we have to acknowledge there are far too many Christians who say the right things perhaps, but they aren't actually pointing people to the person of Jesus. Now, how does this play out? How do we know whether or not we are guilty of this or whether or not this is something we need to process through and pray through as well? The pastor and author Christine Kane says it like this. You will never really know whether you are in it for you or for the cause until you are overlooked. That's a good little test. The moment you're overlooked, and I can, I can think it's twofold, overlooked by God, in your opinion, or overlooked by Christians or the world, right? The moment you're overlooked, we all have this reaction. Uh, God, I'm doing all the right things. You have to answer my prayers. Like, you, you owe it to me. Like, oh, I'm doing this. And the moment you don't feel like God answers your prayer the right way, you're like, whoa, we had a deal. Or the moment your life doesn't play out the way you think it should play out because you're doing your part, you, you begin to, to, to find out, are you in it for you? Is your life pointing at you? Or are you in it for something greater than you, some, something bigger than you? Now, you, you can think that God let you down. Maybe you think the church let you down. Man, I, they don't recognize all the efforts that I put in. They don't recognize how great I am. I'm, I'm such an influential Christian. And you can start spinning out and you realize that you're not in it for the cause, you're, you're in it for you. Because the moment you feel overlooked, you, you, you learn. Now again, why I love the passage we just read, this is a great example of John getting overlooked. Oh, John, you're not the Messiah, you're not Elijah, you're not a prophet, then get out. You don't belong here. And John doesn't even falter. No, that's, I'm not worried about this, I'm, I'm in it for the cause. I know what I'm about. I know who I'm pointing to and I'm just gonna keep redirecting you to that. This is why as a church, our mission statement is that we are giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. It's a reminder that for you to experience the good news of the gospel likely is going to cost me something. I likely have to put you and your needs above mine. I have to put the cause above me. And when I'm overlooked, I go, hey, that's fine because this is not about me. I'm not pointing at me. But the moment you get overlooked and you have that reaction, you go, whoa, how dare they? How dare God not do this? You begin to see that you might be in it for something else. And so the question I wanna ask all of us is this. What is your life pointing to? No matter what you're, you believe today, no matter where you're at with God or where you're at with your view of truth or what you think matters, your life is pointing somewhere. And for many of us, if we were to be so honest, our life is just pointing inward. If someone were just to, to listen to the, the words that you say, what would they hear about? What, what would they hear the things that you value? What would they see you pointing to? What are most of your words about? Are they mostly about you? Like what, what would they conclude? This is what your life is pointing to because I've heard you talk about this over and over and over. If they were to, to see your actions and the things that you do, what would they conclude your life is about? Oh, I know that this person is all about this because I see him do that over and over again. See, all of us are pointing somewhere, but many of us have never thought about where we're actually pointing and, and asked, are, are we happy with that? Are we pointing where we want our life to point? 
Now, I wanna have a moment and, and speak to any of you who would say, I'm not a Christian. Uh, I'm checking this whole thing out. Uh, again, we're so glad that you're here. You are absolutely welcome here. Uh, and you don't have to agree with us to be welcome here, okay? So let me just say that. But I just wanna ask you a question. If you're, if you're here today and you're, you're not pointing to Jesus, because maybe you don't believe in Jesus. Maybe you're like, I'm not sure about that. And so your life is pointing at you because you don't know where else to point it. I just wanna ask, is it working for you? Is it working? Do you have the results in your life that you hope for? Do you have the, 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 the purpose and the meaning and the satisfaction? Is it all there? You're going, yeah, this is working for me. Or if you're honest, is there something missing? You're going, yeah, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to figure it out. Do you know what it feels like to be hopeless? Because you have nowhere else to point. Do you know what it feels like to be bored? Because you're just pointing at you. Do you know what it feels like to be overwhelmed? Because you are trying to be the solution to all of your problems, right? Like, like if that's you today, I want you just to, just to ask those questions. Are, are you wrestling with those things of, of what happens when your life is pointing at you? Do your problems feel bigger than you? You know, as I uh, listen to people as they go through life and as they go through different issues, you know what I've realized? We think we can solve most of our problems collectively. Just we, we think that's a very American thing. I can solve most of my problems. You know the problems we don't attempt to solve and we, we readily acknowledge, whoa, I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need God on this one, are health problems. See, when you get that, that conversation with the doctor and you're like, whoa, wait, what did you just say? All of a sudden you have this perspective, this awareness, like I'm going to need God's help here. I'm gonna need something. But the, the weird part is we don't feel like that most other things. Like it's health problems, we, we tend to be pretty soberly uh, you know, reacted to. But everything else, I, I'll figure that out. I'll solve that one. I, I, can, I can just work harder. And, and we don't quite see it in the same light. But if you're wrestling with this all, today, this all today and you're going, I don't know if it's worth pointing my life to Jesus, I want you to consider this idea. A problem bigger than you requires a solution bigger than you. If you're here today and you're going, yeah, I got... I got some problems and, and I'm gonna be the solution to it. And you're feeling the disconnect between those two. Like it's not actually working. It's because a problem bigger than you requires a solution bigger than you. I don't know how your life is going, but I got a lot of problems bigger than me. And, and if I had to be the solution, uh, I would struggle with that. I would wrestle with that because I don't know how to solve all of the problems that, that are in my life. And, and yet one of the reasons why I'm so grateful that I get to point to Jesus is because I don't have to even attempt to be the, the solution to all my problems. I, I can point to something bigger. But maybe you're here today and maybe it's a, it's a chance for you to say, you know what, I don't wanna keep pointing at myself. I wanna try it differently. I, I wanna see what would happen if I pointed my life at Jesus. Would, would suddenly I be able to navigate these problems differently? Now again, it doesn't mean that, man, all my problems are solved exactly the way I want it. It just means I don't have to navigate the problems alone. I don't have to be the solution. I can bring these to Jesus and invite Jesus to do what only he can do in my life. And so if you have met Jesus, if you've seen any glimpse of Jesus, who introduced you to him? Because John was able to point so many people to Jesus. And if you have met Jesus today, if you've even seen a glimpse of Jesus, I want you to think about who was the person that showed you. Because you don't just experience Jesus in a vacuum usually, it's usually in relationships. Somebody was the one who said, hey, I wanna explain who Jesus is. I wanna show you who Jesus is. I want you to understand what I have experienced. Who was that person? Uh, I wanna close with something that the author, Karen Swallow Pryor said. She says, we cannot desire what we cannot imagine, and we cannot imagine what we have not seen. 
in light of Jesus, people will not be able to desire Jesus if they can't imagine him. They have no idea what Jesus is like. And they won't be able to imagine Jesus if they haven't seen Jesus in our lives. We have to be the ones to say, we will point you to Jesus. And when you have seen Jesus, you can imagine Jesus and you can begin to desire Jesus as well because you know what you have seen and you can then point your life to something. And until then, you don't really know what is out there. And that is why John is such an incredible example. Uh, at the very beginning of the series, I gave you an illustration I wanna bring back this illustration because I think it's helpful now. I talked about the, the author, John, what he's gonna do throughout this whole book is he's gonna constantly go back to the person of Jesus. And John's arrow always points to Jesus, always right back to Jesus, right back to Jesus, right back to Jesus. What we also realize is that John is opening this, not just that he as an author is gonna do this, but now he's giving us an example of John the Baptist who does the same thing. Points right back to Jesus, points right back to Jesus, right back, everything is pointing back to Jesus. And what you're beginning to realize, and I hope we all walk away with it, this is the invitation for all of us. Not just the author, John, not just John the Baptist, but anyone who would say, you know what? I want my life to matter. I want my life to be about something great. I'm going to point it beyond me. I'm going to point it at the person of Jesus. And only then, Will I get everything I want out of life? And only then will my life truly matter in the big scheme of things. Who has pointed you to Jesus? Who introduced you to Jesus? I can think about when I grew up, my parents from a young age told me about Jesus. I got to see Jesus in their life. And I recognize for a lot of people, that's not something you've had. It was a privilege I had to grow up with Christian parents. I remember as I was uh, getting a little bit older, I had a friend named Paul who was 10 years older than me. And Paul was able to really help me see Jesus, help me to understand Jesus as I was uh, you know, going, uh, growing up in, in that process. I remember in high school, my senior year, a student pastor named JJ was able to point me to Jesus at a critical decision moment in my life. And I was so grateful for that. And, and in, in my early 20s, I met a guy named Greg Boyd who was able to keep pointing me to Jesus. And I could just go on and on and on. And I bet you could too. And if you've seen Jesus at all, I bet you can point back to people and you said, they pointed me to Jesus and they pointed me to Jesus and they pointed me to Jesus. And this is the, the goal for all of us is that we would be the people. When someone goes, hey, who introduced you to Jesus? Oh, it was you and you and you. And I got to see Jesus and what you said and what you did. May our lives be pointing to something bigger than us. Let's pray together. Jesus, may we see the invitation here before us. As we see with the, the author, John the disciple, and through John the Baptist, that, that they were so good at removing themselves from the spotlight and pointing to you and putting you as the focus. And the temptation for us is to point our lives at us because we think that's where we're gonna have meaning and significance and value, and that's where we're gonna find our identity. And may we see in their example that it's only when we point our life at something greater than ourselves, at the person of Jesus, that we will find the fulfillment we're looking for and our life will truly take on an eternal uh, meaning as we point others to the person of Jesus. And so I pray for anyone who is wrestling with uh, where their life is pointing and I, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to them through the church and through the people around them that they would see more and more of who you are and your goodness. And I pray for all of us that we would learn how to point our lives beyond ourselves 
to the person of Jesus, that the world may come to see what we have seen and see that you change everything. And so it is in the name of Jesus that we pray and all God's people said, amen.